Well, here we are. And every year we age, the theme song from Friends hits a little bit closer to home. This is Well, Here We Are, a When the Spirit Moves Us podcast, (laughs) which explores the ways pop culture and the humanities matter for our daily lives by distilling them into lists of three-ish things. Today we are delving into a discussion about the annual film awards, the Academy Awards, aka the Oscars. Specifically, we're asking the question... Is Oscar bait even really a thing? I'm Hannah. And I'm Suzanne. And if you want to support the pod with your reviews, we would greatly appreciate it. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please and thank you. And while you're at it, go over to Spotify because they now let you rate things too. They also have Jill Rogan. So, you know, (laughs) do whatever you want with that. But while you're over there, just rate us five stars too. Please and thank you. I briefly thought about whether we should pull our podcast from Spotify in solidarity with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And then I was like, well, there's only 10 people who follow us on Spotify. So I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. All right, Hannah. It's almost award season. Moira Rose's favorite season. (laughs) What do you know about the Oscars? What is your relationship to the Oscars? Like, have you penciled it in every year? Is it a must-watch for you? I used to watch the Oscars every year growing up. With my family, we would, like, do our little Oscars prediction sheet, and we'd we'd watch every year together. Now I, I watch the Oscars when I remember that they're happening because the older I get, the fewer movies I watch. I've been thinking about this, too. And I used to watch it every year as well and never watched – any of the movies. Because why mm. was I, as an 11-year-old, going to watch any of these movies, right? Except oh, I, I used to watch all the, all the movies. But oh. not because they were non- nominated for Oscars. It was just like, as a family, we used to watch a lot of movies. Well, also, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about is the nature of the types of movies that mm-hmm. are getting nominated for Oscars, especially for Best Picture, has changed a lot since the early 90s. Yeah. So we've, we've been in an era where to watch all of the Academy Award movies are to watch movies that not a lot of kids would see anymore. They also nominate a lot more movies now than they used to, right? Wasn't yeah. there changes? They used to just do five. Well, the they picture. like back in the day, like, through like the 40s, 50s, like the Academy Awards started in the 1920s. There wasn't really a limit on any on how many movies they nominated for Best Picture or, like, what the version of Best Picture was. So it was actually a return to 10 movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Um, which happened in, like, the early 2000s uh, to address the way that the movies that were – because, like, Jaws was nominated for a Best Picture. Huh. Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture when that was like oh, one one of five right, movies. Okay. Like popular okay, movies yeah. used to be nominated more and more and more. And then as you got into the late 90s, the movies for Best Picture got a little more prestige and were they movies- were They weren't actors in these movies. They were thespians. Yes. Yes, they were. And so as that happened, that was attributed as like maybe one of the reasons why fewer and fewer people were watching the Oscars was that the type of movies that were being nominated weren't connecting with a popular audience anymore. And so let's expand. Let's return to the larger number of 
of potential best pictures. I am really hoping because the past couple years, understandably with COVID, they've done a you know, much chiller Academy Awards. Like they've tried to be a little more serious. The past several years, there hasn't been a host. It's like a a hostless awards show. And I, there's going to be a host this year. I forget who it is, but I want all the entertainment, all the glitz, (laughs) all the glamour. Beyonce is nominated for an Academy Award. I want that to be, I want that to be the show opener of like her singing her song from King Richard. Like I want this to be larger than life. I want ball gowns that take, would take up 12 airline seats. Like I, I want, I want to return to Hollywood absurdity. Yeah. I haven't seen a single movie that has been nominated for an Oscar this year for the first time ever. Like I'm almost proud of myself, but I still, I still am going to, I'm still going to watch because I also want that glamour. I want to feel like, like we have movies again. Even though we, I know we never stopped having movies. We all know what I mean. You haven't had the experience of like being in a movie theater, having a collective experience watching a movie in a very long time. Which, it's still been two years yeah. since I've been inside a movie theater. Yeah. Still, the last movie I saw in movie theaters was Parasite. Was, was it Parasite? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this phrase, Oscar bait, that we're kind of going to be talking around and about, is that a phrase you're familiar with? And yes, if, I have, you were I have to, heard of it. If you were to give me what your best definition for this phrase would be, what would you what would you say? Oscar bait to me is like high drama, preferably period drama, mm-hmm. when people really get to show off how serious and dramatic they can be and how many emotions they can have. There's so. no joy in Oscar bait <laughs> at all. There's no comedy. There's no laughter or smiles. So character-driven, historical melodrama. Yes. And would you say all character-driven historical melodramas are Oscar bait? Or is it just that all Oscar bait, most Oscar bait falls into his character-driven historical melodrama? No, I think that all, what it, what's the phrase we, we just invented? Historic costume character-driven melodramas yeah. Yeah. are Oscar bait. Okay. Also, movies where people just look real scraggly, mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Yeah. Uh, also Oscar bait. Metrosexuals need not apply. <laughs> no, no. Okay, yeah. I am going to send you a Seth Meyers video called Oscar bait. This video came out in 2017. What's really interesting about the, the phrase Oscar bait is it's, it's been around since the 1940s. The phrase itself really picked up steam and usage in the 19, like late 1990s. This is when you get your Saving Private Ryan's and mm-hmm. you would, like that was kind of the era when if you look at Google Analytics where more and more people were kind of using this phrase and searching for this phrase. And then it had a massive spike in usage or searching for it on Google when Seth Meyers came out with this video. <laughs> So we're going to watch it. I'm surprised to learn that it's so old, the 1940s. Yeah, it was like 1948 was the first use of the the word. Every decade has brought with us hipster movie critics (laughs) is what what we are learning. This winter, see a film that's not afraid to pander to your emotions. 
Whatever happened to us, Diane? A film that is shamelessly timed for award season. I love you, buddy. No matter what, I'll always love you. Oscar bait. <laughs> Critics are calling Oscar bait a triumph. Daring. And the Los Angeles Times says Oscar bait is the most blatant attempt to win an Oscar since the King's speech. Oscar bait checks off all the boxes. Racial tension. Can I help you with your groceries? Haven't you done enough, Whitey? Latent homosexuality. Thanks for shopping with us, Susie Change. staring at trains. If you like films where a character is forced to overcome a rare disease, then this, my friends, is your film. So, Hannah, what did you think of Seth Meyers' trailer for his award-winning movie, Oscar Bait? I really enjoyed all of the themes. Just all of them. <laughs> He's, like, picked up on some things that you identified really quickly in your Oscar Bait uh, description. Oscar bait movies are purposefully designed to, to mess with your emotions, that they're always timed towards Oscar season. So they, they come out in like in the months leading up to Oscar nominations. They tend to highlight racial tension, but the, the central character is a white character. They have latent yeah, homosexuality. Yeah, it's, it's like white male, what do we call that? Like, um, well, uh, Melissa, yeah, Melissa Villasenor from SNL would say, white male rage, white male rage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. inadequacy. <laughs> yeah. The feelings of just inadequacy. It's like the way toxic masculinity has impacted white men, but it's never called toxic masculinity. And white men are still the victims. Yes. Yeah. And only them. They're the they're always the victims. Others have pointed out that these movies, kind of like you said, that they're really character driven. Uh, films about Hollywood are often like really kind of singled out as being Oscar baity. The idea being that the members of the Academy are people that have either won an Academy Award or they're people that have been sponsored by other people who have won Academy Awards. And so they're voted on by members of Hollywood and people love talking Hollywood about themselves loves Hollywood. and Hollywood yeah. loves Hollywood. Another source said that it's historical dramas, musician biopics, melodramas, <laughs> And then the quirky indie comedy. I like that it's specifically musician biopics. Yes. <laughs> bring us your Elton Johns. Bring us your Freddie Mercury's. Your Johnny Cash's. Bring us your Billy. I almost said Billy Eilish. <laughs> Not yet. Give it 15 years. One day. And yeah. one day. Um, I sent you a quote. So there's been some pushback, Ooh. obviously, about this concept of Oscar bait. And there's this Vulture article that is two, you know, film and television critics kind of debating the idea of Oscar bait. Is like, is Oscar bait a thing? One of them is saying like, no, unequivocally, it's not a thing. And then the other guy, and I'm, you know, synthesizing his point. And the other critic, his name is Kyle Buchanan, he gives he gives a couple of quotes that I think are actually pretty helpful for us to kind of think about the concept of Oscar bait. Sometimes Oscar bait is just a careless catch-all meant to describe all fall films. But more often, it's used the same way a snooty critic might say, quote, Sundance movie as a pejorative. 
There's an implication that what appears to be prestigious is, in its own way, as formulaic as a Marvel blockbuster. I don't appreciate the shade on the Marvel blockbuster, but that's neither here nor there. I understand this. If you had the misfortune to watch too many movies where a leading man suffers artfully, a talented actress is given no definition beyond supportive wife, and a scene-stealing character actor gets a showy monologue that could easily be snipped for an Oscar night clip, well, it could all feel a little been there, done that. And when some conventionally assembled films seem to glide on through to the best picture category despite middling reviews, it's natural that familiarity might breed contempt. I think that's helpful. When you look at the movies that are nominated for Academy Awards, there are striking similarities between them. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that all movies that are nominated for Academy Awards shouldn't be nominated. There's always surprises, but but when there's always some like kind of mediocre films that make it through and you you put them next to the other ones and you're like, oh, yeah, obviously there's a family resemblance here. And and he goes on to say later in the article that he reserves the term Oscar bait for, quote, mediocre movies that conform to a pre-existing Oscar rubric, rubric far better than the more interesting films that get passed over. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody is calling The Power of the Dog, the Jane Campion movie that is nominated for 12 Academy Awards. Nobody is calling it Oscar bait. 12 Academy Awards? It's nominated for 12 Academy Awards. And nobody's calling it Oscar bait because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and because people like it <laughs> and they're like Jane Campion is an incredible director and the performances are great and Benedict Cumberbatch will probably win best actor like okay but I have to say so when I said I haven't watched any of the movies yet I did watch the first 20 minutes of Power of the Dog last night because you told me to and it does also go back to my point of people being very scraggly attractive people being scraggly there's this really fun article and I use fun in quotation marks, because only you and I would think it's fun. But there's this article by two sociologists called Close But No Cigar. And basically, they try to, they call it Oscar appeal. They don't use Oscar bait, because they think Oscar bait has bad connotations. So they use Oscar appeal. And they basically try to quantify Oscar appeal. And okay, how beneficial is it for you to create a film or to act in a film, or to produce a film that has Oscar appeal. And their conclusion ultimately is that winning a prize is valuable, but pursuing it is costly. Which means, like, if your, if your movie gets the award, it's really valuable. But more movies than not don't get the award. And so when you have focused so much on creating a film that is that seems like it was designed for a rubric then not only are you unlikely to win awards, but you're going to be, you're going to get the Golden Raspberry Awards. You're going to, you're going to get criticized for being Oscar bait. This is why I stopped watching Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Because I'm just like, ugh. But it, maybe I'm the only one. No, but can you, like, what do you mean you're, ugh, why are you, ugh? Because I'm just like, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even say that sentence without Leo just wants his Oscar and now he's going to look scraggly on purpose and like pull out all the stops on his emotional range. And it's probably going to be set in, you know, some period drama and he's, it's going to be like over the top. All I'm going to see is how much he's acting. I'm glad that we're friends because <laughs> I have not really. Am I doing it wrong? 
No, I'm glad that we're friends because I haven't really seen a Leo performance where I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Even when he was in Titanic, I was like, this guy, middle school girls, this is the guy that we're all obsessed (laughs) with. The authors of this article called Close But No Cigar, and then it has like the fancy title after the semicolon, like good academic papers do. Uh Uh, They say that awards matter because they drive consumer attention, right? Like the awards. Yeah, we talked about this with the Golden Globes. Yeah, exactly, right? The awards list comes out, and for the next couple months, those are the movies that people are going to focus on watching because they Mm -hmm. want to watch Oscar Night and know who is going to, who is going to get the award. The reason why you and I went to go see Parasite was because it had won the Academy Award for Best Picture, right? Like, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And it had completely piqued our interest. So that movie came out. I forget when it came out, but I was looking up between 2015 and 2019. I didn't look at 2020 and 2021 because those were COVID years and the award ceremonies were a little weird and not as many movies were being released. But between 2015 and 2019, 43 movies were nominated for Best Picture, but only 12 of those were ever in the box office top 20. Huh. And what's interesting to me is that four of those movies, so Hidden Figures in 2016, Parasite in 2019, Little Women in 2019, 1917 in 2019, they all were in the top 20 for the following year. So not that year's Academy Awards for the next year. Because, like, maybe those movies came out in November or December, the prestige, the excitement, the discussion around them continued for so long that it was the following year that they that they got in the top 20 of the box office. That's very interesting. They drive consumer attention. Um, a phrase they use in the article is that they're a judgment device. This is when it can feel a little like Oscar baity. Uh, There's a quote in this article that says, quote, because profitable strategies are more likely to be imitated, knowing what sorts of products made money suggests what sorts of products will continue to be produced in the future, end Uh quote. uh The more character-driven historical melodramas that win Academy Awards, the more historical melodramas set in some sort of historical time period are going to continue to be produced during mm-hmm. award season. They mentioned in this article, and this is pointed out a lot about the Academy Awards, that appealing to prize juries can often come at the expense of mass audience appeal. The quote here is, almost by definition, prizes are intended to recognize excellence in a field, but they can also subtly redefine what excellence means. Prize founders commonly express a desire to provide a means for recognizing artistic achievement to correct a perceived overemphasis on mass appeal. You get these arguments, right? You get, like, Martin Scorsese calling, and I don't think unkindly. Like, I don't think Martin Scorsese was being unkind when he was like, Marvel movies are like a theme park. They're like a roller coaster at an adventure ride. But most of them are not great cinema. Like, you can enjoy them, but they're not great cinema. Um, And then you get this, like, pushback from people that make Marvel movies or people that like Marvel movies, and they're like, well, you're a snob or you're a hipster, and you just don't want us to like fun things. And so there can then be this battle between, like, what is considered Oscar-appealing films and, like, mass appeal. This is just the kind of thing that comes in not just 
like art fields, but probably many fields when we're talking about what is worthy of attention and investment and that things that have mass appeal. So for, for example, in my field, the Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. was a big a big topic of discussion <laughs> because it was like this was a lot of people's entry into Renaissance art and people in the Renaissance art studying fields were like, this isn't true art history or like, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean that this thing is is bad. It doesn't mean that it's not worthy of attention. But that is how people in these fields, in these prize juries, as you might say, want to view it or mm-hmm. are interested in viewing it because there's like a like a gatekeeping element. Yeah, but I I I think it's okay to say I really like this movie. Yeah. I don't think oh, that no, this Oh no, no, I I yeah. agree. Yeah. But I think it's okay for us to say I really like this movie. I don't think it should be nominated for an Academy Award or I don't care it's if it's not the nominated. best movie. Yeah. yeah. I like I watched the movie No Country for Old Men and I was like, "Wow, what a movie." incredible i will never watch that movie ever again <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and it is it is not in my top movies of all time it was a a great film that i am really glad i watched one time mm-hmm. maybe it's just something that will never be resolved and that people will always argue about i don't know yeah but i think it is also worth worth saying that you know, even though I am annoyed that people look down on Marvel movies, it doesn't it doesn't decrease my like of Marvel movies. Do I think that they deserve Academy Awards? Probably not. But like I'm allowed to like what I like. And I don't have to like the things that win Academy Awards either. And that no. goes for all people. Yeah. I mean Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. Because it was and is, and you should watch it. I also uh, I don't think this is a Marvel movie. It's in the it's in like uses Marvel characters, not MCU characters, but maybe now they are. I don't know. It's complicated. <laughs> rights rights come into it. But I thought Spider Man Into the Spider Verse was like oh, the uh-huh. best movie yeah. I had watched that year and should have been uh-huh. nominated for Best Picture. It was incredible, like top mm-hmm. to bottom, an incredible film that should have been nominated for Best Picture. Except for I don't know what won that year, so maybe <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what. What if that was the Parasite year? And I'm like, Let's, don't no, no, it. no. It definitely came out before Parasite. Now I am curious and I want to know. Um, I don't. Oh know. no! 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 Oh my gosh! Did it? Was it Green Book? Green Book? Oh yeah! It definitely should have won over Green Book. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I didn't see Green Book. I don't know what it is. Uh, Green Book is like a white savior movie. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, no thanks. Yeah. And that was the year that Black Panther also didn't win. Well, it's got Vigo Mortensen in it. Is he the Is he the white savior? He is. Damn it, Vigo. Ultimately, my conclusion is yes. Oscar bait is a thing, but dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. There's There's many butts. There's big butts. Lots of butts. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Go on. Uh, one of those butts is like not all movies that are nominated for an Oscar are Oscar bait. Like, what are the other butts? <laughs> <laughs> Not all movies that are Oscar baity are successful at being Oscar bait. Some Oscar bait, like they put the bait on the end of the line and they throw it out into the water and like nothing is biting. They get no bites. Um, my third thing is the idea that there is artistic purity is a little bit of a joke, which maybe I can unpack that one. And then my fourth butt is that Oscar bait can apply to films 
but they can also apply to performances and they it specifically appeals to performances that venerate maleness and venerate whiteness. I am shocked to hear that. I know. Shocking. Yeah. So not all movies that are nominated for an Oscar are Oscar baby, right? Like if you look yeah, at them, obvi- yeah. there's a reason why we care about the Oscars because we care when certain films, we get their due. Like we enjoy that. I know some people will be like nominated for an Academy Award, like big deal. But some of those movies are good. <laughs> and I think and I think it's okay to be like, yeah, I think this movie deserved to win or I think this actor deserved to win. I think it was like a well-deserved award. Kind of like what you said already. Not all movies that are character-driven historical melodramas are Oscar bait. It's just that that's what a lot of Oscar bait looks like. And some of them are good and some of them aren't good. You you heard it here first, folks. Some, <laughs> some movies, movies are, are good. good. <laughs> and some movies are not this is, good. This is my contribution <laughs> to all discussions. This just I'm, is. This just I'm is. So sorry. <laughs> There's one movie that I, in all of my research, I'm a little obsessed with. So this article that kind of tried to quantify Oscar appeal. They crowned the most Oscar Beatty movie of all time. And what was it? It's called Come See the Paradise. Oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, it came out in 1990. It has Dennis Quaid in it. And oh. it won zero. It was nominated <laughs> for zero awards. So I'm going to just read you the plot summary. Okay, so I probably haven't seen it because it tried too hard. The plot summary for this film reads like they had a checklist of elements that they are dying to get in there because then they will be able to win an Academy Award. Jack McGurn is Dennis Quaid. He flees to Los Angeles and takes a job as a projectionist at a movie theater. So we've got got the film industry owned by a Japanese-American man. So probably mm-hmm. some okay. sort of like white saviorism. Jack falls for the owner's daughter, Lily. So there's probably going to encounter some racism, but they are forced to elope to Seattle when her father forbids the relationship. The couple marry and have a daughter, but when World War II breaks out, <laughs> Jack is powerless to stop his new family's forced internment. Oh, so much suffering. The Last Duel would be a recent example of an Oscar Beatty movie that yielded zero awards, (laughs) zero nominations even. Hillbilly Elegy is another movie that, like maybe not the movie itself, but what Amy Adams and Glenn Close's performances were considered very Oscar Beatty. Glenn Close was nominated, Amy Adams wasn't, and Glenn Close did not win for Hillbilly Elegy. That was one that when they were nominated for the Golden Globes, you and I were like, for the love of God, if Hillbilly Elegy wins, (laughs) we are going to lose our minds. Yeah, and then the third thing I was – so this Vulture article that I mentioned that had the quote, Mark Harris was the guy who I was like, okay, buddy. He has all this pushback to the idea of Oscar bait because he – it seems like he thinks there's like this artistic purity. And he's like, I really don't think that actors and directors are just sitting over here plotting how to win an Academy Award. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, have you seen a 
Leonardo DiCaprio movie. That He's is never not. heard of Leonardo DiCaprio. I was actually thinking of you when it came to this in like your art history background. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is this notion that the purest form of art is that that is completely detached from any economic concerns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And art, art that is made to be sold, like on the open market, is scorned and the butt of so much contempt. Yeah. And it, it completely misses that so much of the art, like visual art that we think is the best example of its time was commissioned. Yes. I just think this notion that in order to be a good artistic artifact, it has to be completely, like it has to. All it has the, to come from the soul of the artist. Yes. In Kate Winslet, there's this show uh, called Extras. Oh, yes, I've seen it. Yeah. So Kate Winslet, actually, she plays a dramatized version of herself. And she's dressed up like a nun. She's a nun. Yeah. 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 She's a nun in World War II. And she's like, everybody knows in order to win an Academy Award, you have to do a movie about the Holocaust. And then two years later, she won an Academy Award for being in a movie about the Holocaust. So like (laughs) the idea that actors and actresses are not aware of this and that they – they just like stumble into an Oscar win with no consideration that the content that they're doing could potentially yield them an award. It's just like BS. Nobody's that pure of spirit. I'm trying to think of any examples where I'm like, this person is, but I, I got nothing. I, I'm not saying that every person, when they take a movie, they're like, this will be my... Like, you know, like I'm not saying that. <laughs> Only some people do that. Yeah. Only some people do that. But I think there's other reasons people are in movies. Like I, I could see Kirsten Dunst and uh, her husband, Jesse Plemons, who's also nominated for an Academy Award, them really wanting to work with Jane Campion. Jane Campion produces like one movie every 10 years. <laughs> so I think when they found out like, hey, you could be in a Jane Campion movie, they were probably like, yeah, absolutely. I will be in a Jane Campion movie. Do I think the studio probably heard the name Jane Campion and were like, dollar signs, dollar signs, awards, <laughs> awards, awards? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have a, I have a question about that. So we talked about this in, in one of the Golden Globes episodes about the studios like campaigning for mm-hmm. Golden Globes. Yeah. I assume that happens for the Oscars as well. Yes. Yes, it does. Is it is that still like very common? Because you had said that a bunch of studios and actors and directors were going to boycott the Golden Globes after it came out that the HFPA was evil and racist. Do they 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 don't mind doing it for the Oscars, though? They still continue. There's kind of like unspoken rules of for your consideration campaigns is what they're called. So, Uh, okay. This year, for example, there was a big push to try to have Spider-Man Far From Home be considered for Best Picture, and it was unsuccessful. It wasn't actually nominated, but there was this big push by the studios, by fans, that it, that it should be considered for Best Picture. This is where in Hollywood you'll see the big billboards that have the name of the movie, that have the poster for the movie with quotes from all the different critics and it'll say, like, four-year consideration. That is, like, part of a four-year consideration campaign. That oh. would be, like, acceptable. Okay. You're you're trying to get the film in the minds of, of the people that are voting for the film. And as far as I know, in the nomination process, you nominate 
people that are in your category. So directors nominate directors, but that's not true for Best Picture. So These pictures don't nominate pictures. They're not yet sentient beings. But this is when you kind of get into the Harvey Weinstein of it all. Harvey Weinstein oversaw Miramax, and Miramax was kind of known a little bit for being an Oscar Beatty company. Studio. Like studio. Uh-huh. So they won Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture for Shakespeare in Love. Everyone thought it was going to be Saving Private Ryan. That was the front runner for Best Picture that year was Saving Private Ryan. And Shakespeare in Love was kind of the surprise winner. And there's a really interesting Vanity Fair article about what the four-year consideration campaign was like for Shakespeare in Love. And basically every abusive, bullying, harassing instinct Harvey Weinstein had, he just channeled it towards promoting his film. He would start, he started whisper campaigns about how Saving Private Ryan, there's not much to the film after the first 10 minutes of the movie. He spread rumors about Steven Spielberg. Like he was really, like he took it to like the next level. Somebody told Steven Spielberg that this was happening and Steven Spielberg was like, don't get into the mud with Harvey. Like He's like, I'm Steven Spielberg and I just, this isn't my thing. But but also he knew how abusive and harassing and bullying oh, Harvey Weinstein yeah. was. Like what was going to happen? Yeah. If if, okay. if like if you try to start flinging mud back at him, he's going to throw mm-hmm. it at us twice as hard. And mm-hmm. okay. let's not do it. And that that moment of how he campaigned for Shakespeare in Love is really considered like a turning point in how Oscar movies are promoted. That mm-hmm. that you can you can bully people into thinking more highly of your film, or if not thinking more highly of your film, thinking less well of other films. I mean, it seems pretty backwards, but okay. Yeah, and then the last thing that the, like the last but the biggest but, <laughs> and I thought of this one, but you and I talked about it, and this is something you had brought up too, that Oscar bait can apply not only to films but the type of performances. How would you categorize the type of acting that Leonardo DiCaprio does that makes you think he is so thirsty for awards? You, like, touched on it a little bit. Holds nothing back except for smiles and laughter. (laughs) It is just the most extreme emotional range. Like, how deep into his own, like, gut can he pull these emotions out and display them all? for me to not enjoy. Have you ever seen The Revenant? No, I have not. <laughs> um, but do you know the story but that's of The Revenant? The, it's um, It involves a bear. A guy kills a bear. And I'm a big fan of bears. So right off the bat, I was like, I don't want to watch that. But do you know of the Leo lore that surrounds this? Did he himself go into the woods and kill a bear with, his, just... with his bear hands <laughs> so that he could... <laughs> No, but he did. That was his method acting. He did sleep inside of like a bear carcass. What? Yeah. Where did he get a bear carcass? I don't know. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. He probably has them in his house. I don't know. (laughs) He probably just calls a guy and the guy is, he's like, I need a bear carcass. Yeah. I mean, that's the commitment that you have to show to win an Oscar. And the first 10 movies that he did. The first 10 Oscar baits that he did weren't enough. So he was like, oh, if I'm going to win this Oscar, I have to sleep inside a bear carcass. There's a certain type of male, especially male performance, 
but then there's like a, a woman's performance and, you know, we're using these in like cisgender terms because I don't think a trans or non-binary actor has been nominated for a major acting award. You'll have a man or a woman get nominated for portraying a trans character, but not trans actors. But there's also like, you and I talked about the pretty girl gets ugly. Yep. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Which is why... Kira Knightley is so brave. Right, right. Because at the same time that Charlize Theron is like, I have to, <laughs> I mean, put prosthetics onto my face to look like I am not the, the world's most beautiful human being so that I can win this Oscar for Monster. Kira Knightley has the, the courage to be beautiful and to put on beautiful dresses and to have perfect teeth and a perfect voice. It it becomes to the point where with acting awards, we want to know how hard they had to work for it, right? Like, we want to hear that Daniel Day-Lewis did not step out of character once when he was Lincoln. We want to hear that Leo almost got hypothermia and put his body through hell in order to get ready for The Revenant. Uh, Halle Berry, she directed a film called uh, bruised, I think it was, which is was considered by some to be a pretty Oscar baity movie. It didn't yield any nominations, but she played an MMA fighter. And a part of how she talked about the movie was to talk about what she put her body through in order to p- prepare for this role. She talked about the number of ribs she had broken. She had talked about all of the like ways her body had been harmed in training for this movie and in filming this movie. That becomes a part of the four-year consideration campaign almost. You know, actors saying that they've gained weight. Like when Anne Hathaway was nominated for Les Mis. Les Mis, yeah. How much emphasis was on how much weight she lost. People really wanted to talk about how emaciated she looked in this role and what she put her body through to prepare for this role. Christian Bale. I'm just going to leave his name there. Uh, the the lettuce, is that that's something I heard? It's just like all the weight fluctuations and how, how brave, again, to keep gaining and losing and gaining and losing the commitment that he shows to his craft. I fundamentally don't understand it. Tom Hanks is doing like a full... <laughs> he's, he's in the Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie that's upcoming. He's doing some sort of prosthetic, gained weight, like mm-hmm. fat suit sort of thing to look just like the person who he's portraying. And I'm like, why can't we just employ a fat actor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great question because there are a lot of them. And I'm guessing that some of them might have difficulty finding work in Hollywood. Especially in a Baz Luhrmann musician biopic that's coming out around (laughs) award season. Why not just hire an actor? But but it's because for Tom Hanks now, it gets to be a part of the the transformation. Yeah, Yeah, it's part of the story that we tell about him as an actor in this role. I think part of the reason why, like you kind of talked about the Golden Globes, in comparison, the Academy Awards still has prestige within the industry in a mm-hmm. way that the Golden Globes never did. And so I think Hollywood's willing to put up with a lot more when it comes to the Academy Awards because actors and actresses will tell stories on the stage 
when they get their Academy Award about how they rehearsed their Oscar speech in the mirror when they were eight years old. It is interesting to think about that this this award that we consider to be much more prestigious recognizes so few kinds of achievement that that it's such a narrow scope and that's not to say that like as you were saying with parasite and like there are other things that do win and that are nominated that do fall outside of the of this like oscar bait Mm -hmm. thing but the number of things that are nominated that do fall within this sort of oscar bait category that we've created is a is a high percentage Mm -hmm. and that's what we continue to recognize in this most prestigious award in a creative field that all all the all the kinds of creativity that aren't recognized so here here's like a couple of other cool things jane campion is nominated for best director if she were to win she would be the third woman who won an Academy Award for Best Director. Coda is the first film that has a predominantly deaf cast. And one of the actors is the first deaf male actor to receive a nomination. There's been one other deaf actress who's won an award. Um, Is it Marley Matlin? It is Marley Matlin. Yeah, for Children of a Lesser God. Drive My Car is the first Japanese film to be nominated for Best Picture. Really? Yeah. Uh, Flea is the first film to be nominated in Best Animated Feature Film, Best International, and Best Documentary. So so there is kind of some indication that we are maybe breaking up, to use that phrase that that article said, Oscar appeal, that we mm-hmm. are ex- that expanding, we are expanding the, the definition picture. of what has mm-hmm. Oscar appeal. And I think that's positive. Is Oscar bait a thing? Yeah. But there's some big buts. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to go watch um, The Power of the Dog after this and think it's not Oscar bait, even though it is, but it's not. Yeah, I'm not going to call it that because it's good. It has Oscar appeal. Maybe that's one of the things we can suggest is that Oscar appeal is one of those movies where you're like, yeah, I know why the Academy liked this movie so much. Oscar bait is the stinky thing <laughs> that where they were trying to reel in an Academy Award and it's so transparent and not worth our time. And now, listeners, we would like to hear from you. You can get involved in the discussion by tweeting at us or commenting on this episode's post on Instagram, both places we are at WellHearPod. You can also email us at wellhearpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to wherever you get your podcasts and click that this podcast has major Oscar appeal, which you might know as a follow button. And until next time, I'm Suzanne, and I think all dogs have power, and it's that they're cute. And I'm Hannah, and I'm hoping to see another Oscar winner in theaters someday soon. And well, here we are. Evergreen. I see a mother there, a lover and a child I know a war will come and take away their lives